This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. I want to take you back to 1995 this morning. Some of you weren't even born. I was a first-year student at the University of Stellenbosch, but something really significant happened in our country in 1995. What was that? Yeah, the World Cup. 15 men in green and gold beat 15 men in black. Okay, but more, more than that happened. I want to show you a quick video clip just to give you a feel for, what, for where I'm heading towards. Okay, let's show it. The realization that sport could actually bring about this unity in a nation. I was one of the fortunate few 65,000 that were able to be in this stadium uh, to witness in a symbolic moment for our country. Well, welcome to Ellis Park at this quite dramatic moment. For me, it was life-changing to see the, the power of sport in terms of uniting a country. Coming into the field, everyone is looking forward to something and nobody really knows what's going to happen. The team had already lined up for the national anthem for the Sean Fitzpatrick and the All Blacks on the one side and our team on the other side. And as I walked out the change room into the sunlight of Ellis Park, I heard the crowd chanting, Nelson, Nelson, Nelson. Once the great man Nelson Mandela said, one team, one country, the shift in the enthusiasm of the South African public was just phenomenal. seeing the celebration, seeing 65,000 people not leave their seats. They wanted to get a glimpse of their heroes. They have stolen the crown. Unbelievable scenes all around the park. But now it really is this rainbow nation all behind their team. They did something that not only would go down and change the course of history, um, but that is something that impacted a little 12-year-old boy sitting in the stand. It was a new nation. It was a nation being reborn. Uh, for the first time, we were actually representing all of South Africa, in the first time in our history. David, we didn't have 60,000 South Africans. We had 43 million South Africans. Good memories, eh? So many good memories from that one match. And, you know, when, when, we, when we think about 95, we think about this. Because God did something supernatural in our country. He united us because there was, there was, one, there was one purpose. And there were, it, was a, it was a country that came together without looking at culture or color or race or, or language. Scripture Stanley also quoted this morning during worship. We find this in Psalm 133 when, when there's a common goal, a godly common purpose, and God says, I want to bless that. I want to bless that. So my question to you this morning is, have you ever experienced the transformational power of unity in your marriage, in your business, in your family, in friendships? Have you ever experienced it? Because if you have, you will agree that it's worth fighting for. Amen? If you haven't, I believe that after today, you're going to believe that it's worth fighting for. <laughs> because I believe, I, I, I trust, I'm going to inspire you. 
that this is the one thing that can make a real difference. In, in, our, in our workplace, in our marriages, in our friendships, wherever we are, this can make a real difference. But unfortunately, unity has got a real enemy. Like any good thing, <laughs> there's a real enemy, and that enemy is called division. So what does division look like? I want to talk about that first. What does division look like, and where does that come from? And I want to take you to a story in the Bible that most of you would be familiar with, the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 11, I'm just going to run through a few scriptures. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language. Can you imagine? Everybody spoke the same language, and they used the same words. And then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous. I want you to know that. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower and the people that the people were building. And he said, look, the people are united. And they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. And in that way, the Lord scattered them over all the world and they stopped building the city. So what is wrong with this picture? God himself said the people are united. And he says where this unity is going to command a blessing. So why couldn't God command a blessing in this case? I believe there was something present which I want to call selfish ambition. Selfish ambition mixed with pride. And we find that word in Philippians 2 where the Apostle Paul says, find, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Selfish means to be concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure at the expense of consideration for others. Ambition means a strong desire to do or achieve something and a desire for success, wealth, and fame. Now, ambition is not necessarily wrong. When does it become something that God cannot bless? When it becomes selfish ambition, right? The moment, even when there's unity, even when people are united, if there's a mixture of selfish ambition and pride in their midst, God's Cannot command a blessing. And, you know, I don't know how many, how many cricket fans, I've, I've spoken to the rugby guys now, I've, I've warmed your heart, eh, 95. Now let's talk about the cricket. How many cricket fans do we have in the house? How many of you are watching the T20 World Cup? Okay, right. You need to now just cheer for a different team after last night. <laughs> but in any case, I'm, my dad's quite a, a cricket fanatic. And at the age of 74, he's still umpiring for schools and clubs in the Garden Root area. So he'll possibly do it until he really can't do it anymore. But I learned everything about cricket from watching with my dad at school. And again, I want to take you back into the history books. Okay, history books. 2014, there was a lot, a, a lot written about a, a, a guy. He was a South African-born batsman, but he played for the English team. Who was that? Kevin Peterson, right. Okay, the, you, you know your sport, eh? You know your sport. <laughs> well, he was a brilliant cricketer. 
But after 10 years of playing for the English team, they decided not to renew his contract in 2014. Not because he wasn't on top of his game anymore, but because of something else. And I want to read you a quote that was written in the English newspaper on the 27th of Feb, 2014. A guy called Matt Pryor, he was the vice captain, the wicketkeeper of the English cricket team. He said, Kevin Peterson's ability should have made him the best English cricketer to ever walk this planet. That was obviously his opinion, but that is what he said. But the English dressing room will be a better place without Kevin Peterson. I'm not going to say more about this man. Maybe he changed his ways. I don't, I don't, I don't know him personally, but that was, this is what was written about him in the newspaper. And we all know people who are team players, right? What a joy. And then we all know people who are wise in their own opinion, with little regard for the team or the leader or the corporate vision, people who do their own thing. And my question for you guys this morning is, which one are you? And which one do you really want to be? Because with Kevin Peterson, Kevin Peterson was kind of obvious, you know, he was, he was divisive. They, he said he had a divisive role in the squad. Sometimes... The division we cause is less obvious, sometimes a bit more subtle. But the question remains, do we want to be a team player or do we want to be somebody who causes division? Because that is going to determine the measure of unity, real unity we have in our marriages, in our workplaces. Because selfish ambition, like I said, it breeds division. What is division? It's two visions. You're going in different directions. If you and your business partner are divided, you have two visions, you're going to go in two different directions, and it's going to be chaos. Let me read you another scripture in Matthew 12. It says, Every kingdom divided itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And in Proverbs 6, uh, Solomon talks about six things that the Lord hates. Actually, seven. Seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and, listen to this one, a person who sows discord in a family. Okay, it's very serious now. I will get to more, you know, joyful talk later. But I, I need you to understand the seriousness of the enemy of unity. Because it's subtle and sometimes it's present in all our relationships and we don't even make any effort to turn it around or to fight against it. We kind of just tolerate division. We kind of just sometimes even initiate division and do nothing to turn it around. But God says the house divided cannot stand. And he actually says he hates a person who sows discord in a family. So if you stir and it causes division, God is not on your side. This is what it basically comes down to. So selfish ambition breeds division, something that will make your house fall, something that God hates, and something that God cannot bless. Something that God cannot bless. So therefore we cannot be casual when it comes to any potential division. Like I say, in our workplace, in our family, in our business, in our friendships, 
We cannot be casual about it. We cannot just tolerate it. We cannot just sweep it under the rug because it will be destructive. It will be destructive. You can be the most gifted person on this planet, like Kevin Peterson, but now his contract does not get renewed because he's divisive. So it's not, it's not something small. It's actually something really big. But what I want to get to is the opposite of division. But I wanted to talk about it first, that we can understand why is this so important to fight for unity. It's not just a nice idea. It's not just a, you know, a, a place where, where people come together and they talk and they laugh. And, you know, it, it's some, there's a force behind unity. There's a, there's a powerful force which is called God's blessing. And it's something that I can't live without because I've been in positions with this division. I've been in positions with this unity. And it's two worlds. It's two worlds. I hate the one and I love the other. You know, I, there's, there's nothing good about division, people. There's nothing good about division. Nothing. And God says he hates it and he says your house will not stand. So in the same way that I believe selfish ambition breeds division, I believe there's a secret ingredient that leads to unity. And this is one that loyalty. I want to talk about loyalty this morning. Loyalty is to show firm and constant support or commitment to a person, institution, or a cause. To show firm and constant support. Not only firm support, constant support. You know, whether they fail or whether they, whether they win. You know, so, so how many shock supporters do we have in the house this morning? A few. Okay. When we arrived in East London, it was the, the funniest place ever for me because we come from the Western Cape. Obviously, in every province, you find, like, different supporters, okay? But obviously, in the Western Cape, the majority of the people, I thought, were supporting the Stormers. And then I come to East London, and it's just, I don't know, who, we, who do we support? <laughs> in any case, so sharks. Okay, guys, you've raised your hands. You were very quiet. Are there any Stormers, Stormer supporters in the house? Okay, okay, you're also very quiet. <laughs> and the bulls, I'm sure you're going to make a noise. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> the bulls always make a noise. <laughs> oh, that's my perception, okay? You know, my dad, my dad studied at Kofsis, so he is still supporting the cheetahs. He's 74 years old. You know, he lived the majority of his life, he lived in the Western Cape, but you will only uh, cheer for the Stormers if the Cheetahs are not playing. So he is, and, and it's not really about whether they win or lose. Now, Rion, are you still cheering for the Lions? Oh, I should have had a Lion, you see, I should have had a Lion pick. Who? Oh. <laughs> you know what? If you cheer for your team, you pick your team, you stick to your team, whether they win or lose, what is that? It's loyalty. If you change your team every week or every month, I don't know what to call that. <laughs> you can decide. But in sports, it is amazing how loyalty is, is shown in sports. You pick your team. 
or your school or, you know, and I know sometimes people kind of jump around between, between teams, but it is just incredible to see loyalty in sport. I love it. It's really special and it's really amazing. You support your team, firm and constant support. That's, that's what it is. So I want to take you to a story in the Bible about a woman called Ruth. There's a book in the Bible called Ruth. And we don't often preach on that. But Ruth was the daughter-in-law of a woman called Naomi. Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. Her husband died and her two sons died. And her two sons got married to Moabite women. So they got married to women from a different nation. And Naomi decided to kind of release her daughters-in-law when her sons died, and she said to them, look, go back to your families. You know, you've got no, you don't have to, to stick with me. Go back to your families. I don't have a husband, I don't have sons anymore that I can offer you. And she encouraged them to go back. The one dead, go back to her families. But then this woman called Ruth, she decided to stick to her mother-in-law which is quite remarkable. I think this is really, it is quite remarkable because it's not something we often see in society today. She did not only stick to her mother-in-law, she decided to stick to her mother-in-law's God, which is the God of the Bible, the one that we serve. And I don't know how many of you know that the marriage vows we use today comes from the mouth of Ruth. I want to read it to you. She said to Naomi, her mother-in-law, I'm not going back to Moab, but wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. You know, and we, we hear that so often today, and we don't even necessarily know where it comes from. It was spoken by this woman, woman called Ruth, who decided to be loyal to a mother-in-law and a mother-in-law's God. And she left her homeland. She went with Naomi to, to Moab. And a name literally means friendship or female friend. And she was a true and a loyal and a steadfast friend. And you know the outcome of this story? It is so beautiful because she lost her husband, right? Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. But God gave her a daughter-in-law, a loyal, faithful daughter-in-law, and she was God's gift to Naomi. And ultimately, God said, there's something I can bless, because God looks for loyalty. I'm going to show you a scripture now. God looks, he scans the earth to find loyalty. And I think the moment that he saw loyalty in the heart of Ruth, he said, I can bless that. I can bless that. And the outcome of the story is that Ruth got married to a, a man called Boaz, and she had a son called Obed. And Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David. So ultimately, Ruth became part of the lineage, lineage of Jesus, which was in the Bible, you, it was quite a special spot, you know, to be, to be part of that group of people, that family line. It was quite something. And God said, I'm going to bless your loyalty to your mother-in-law and to me because I found something in you, Ruth, that I can bless. And I want, to, I want to share this with you because sometimes loyalty looks foolish. 
I mean, even Naomi said to Ruth, go back to your family. I have nothing to offer you. Nothing. But Ruth said, no. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your God will be my God. And your people will be my people. Note that, that Ruth didn't say that he is my God. He said, your God will be my God. So she saw the God of the Bible as Naomi's God, but she chose him as well. You know, there's something about this loyalty that made God act. He said, I can bless this. You know, and how many of us would have thought that Ruth is doing the right thing? Sticking with her mother-in-law, going to a country that's not a home country. She knows nobody. She's a foreigner. I mean, we would have maybe advised her to go back to her family. And she said, no, I'm sticking with my mother-in-law. So I want to speak to you about loyalty this morning in the context of a few different um, aspects of our lives. Let's talk about loyalty in the workplace. So I don't know if you realize, but loyalty is one of the most important things that an employer looks for in an employee. If you need to appoint somebody, and you're in that position, you're going to look for loyalty. You're not necessarily going to look for a skilled person who's going to leave after a month, right? And it is so interesting if you go and read up on the American workforce currently. In August, 4.3 million Americans quit their jobs. It's 2.9% of the workforce, and they say it's an it's a all-time high. They call it the great resignation. It's got a name. August 2021, there was a great resignation in, in the United States. Why? They say people are in search for more money, more flexibility, more happiness. And it's interesting, after COVID, you know, so many people lost their jobs. You would think people would just be thankful to have a job. But no, people just decided they want more flexibility, more money, and more happiness, which is not, again, not necessarily wrong. But the question is, are you following God? Are you staying where God has placed you? Or are you moving on for money, happiness, and flexibility? So I want to I challenge you guys this morning. If you feel that God has put you in a company or a position, or he's called you to work. You know, like, if you read the book of Daniel, I'm always inspired. You know, he was, he was serving a king a pagan king who did not serve his God, but he was serving that king. You know, he wasn't walking away. He was serving in the palace. And sometimes we work in an environment, it's not necessarily Christian. It's tough. You don't feel celebrated. You don't get your promotions. It's hard. But you, are con you have a conviction that God has placed you there to be salt and light. Now, to then move on, for flexibility, happiness, and more money, God cannot bless that because He wants you there. He wants your loyalty for, for that specific company and that specific boss because He will ultimately bless you. This is the God that we serve. And I want to challenge you to not leave until God gives you the green lights. I'm not saying you can't resign. I'm not saying we should work for the same person for the rest of our lives. The world has drastically changed in terms of opportunities and the way the, the, the workforce works. But if God calls you to work for a specific person or institution or company, serve your boss with loyalty and see how God can bless that. Amen? 
Serve your employer like you would serve Jesus. Loyalty to your local church. There's something really beautiful that happens when we plant ourselves in a local church and serve our pastor's vision. Now, for a very long time in my life, I was not a pastor's wife. I was just like you, a normal member who had to serve my pastor's vision. You know, and I've experienced how this can cause the Lord to bless me, how He can open doors for me, even in seasons where I did not feel celebrated, seasons where I did not feel as if my opinion was that important. But I saw if we are loyal and faithfully serving in God's house, how He will open doors for you, for your passions, for your interests, for your voice to be heard. So there's just something so beautiful, whether it's in the church or in your workplace, when you serve somebody else's vision, because it builds our character, right? It builds our character. It's a training ground for greater things to come. Loyalty to our spouse. Loyalty in a marriage is to stay committed in good times and in bad. Again, it's very easy to, to, do, to say that in theory, it's not so easy in, in practice. But you see, what, what I've, I've seen over and over in, in marriages is when our spouse makes a mistake or takes the wrong decision, we have a choice. We can despise the person or we can choose loyalty, which means you choose us. You don't just, just choose and f yourself and fight for yourself. You choose us. And the moment you do that, God says, I can turn this around. I can turn this around and bless and still bless your relationship. But if we, we choose to despise the person, it will lead to division. It will lead to division. And, but the moment we choose loyalty, regardless of mistakes or regardless of things that bug you, God says, I can bless you because a house divided cannot stand. And I think we underestimate the division in our hearts. We're not necessarily saying anything, but we are despising somebody. or We're disrespecting somebody in our hearts. It causes division. It will always cause division. So what's happening in our hearts, nobody sees that, but God notices. And he can either bless it or he can say, sorry, but I can't bless it. I can't bless it because there's division. Let's talk about loyalty to God. There's a scripture I want to share with you, 2 Chronicles 16. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Like I said, he scans, God's scanner, you know, the whole earth, he scans to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. I love the scripture. When I read it, I say, God, I want to I wanna be loyal to you because I, I need you to show yourself strong to me because I really need you. There's so many weaknesses in my makeup. There's so many vulnerabilities. There's so many times in my life I don't feel strong. And then, then I need a God who will show himself strong to me. But then I need to be loyal. I need to be loyal to him. You know, and it, it's so easy to, to be loyal to God when life is comfortable. When things go according to plan, when we pray and we get the answer to our prayer, it's so easy to be loyal to God. Our loyalty to our God gets tested when He pushes us out of our comfort zone because He requires obedience in terms of something that we 
that, that pushes us out of our comfort zone. Or our loyalty to our God gets tested when things happen that does not make sense. We, we cannot explain it. We cannot understand it. We, we feel shaken because we did not see this coming. This is when our loyalty gets tested to our God. It's easy to be loyal when things are going well. You know, or when, when, when God leads us in a direction that's contrary to our own ideas and our own plans. And it's like, do I really want to serve this God? That's when our loyalty is tested. When we get our way, our loyalty isn't really tested because we do our own thing, ultimately. It's when there's discipline from God or when He requires something that we don't want to do. Or like I said, possibly the most difficult one, things happen that's really painful. It's really tough. This is when our loyalty to God is tested. But our loyalty to God needs to be even in the mystery, even in times when we do not understand. This is loyalty to our God. It's when we don't understand to say, Lord, I still trust you. I still trust you to trust him in the mystery, to trust him wholeheartedly. You see, and loyalty, I believe, leads to unity. That is why I believe un- loyalty is so crucial to, to cultivate in our hearts. Because it's, it's something I believe it's kind of lost in our world today. Because loyalty looks foolish. It looks weak. It looks, it looks, can't you think for yourself sometimes? You know, it looks, the things of God often looks weak. And God says, you know, it's some, for the world, it's foolishness. A lot of things that we believe as Christians is godly and right. It looks foolish. But, but that is why we need to deliberately cultivate unity in our hearts. It's like a muscle. We often talk about a muscle of faith or a muscle of godliness, a muscle of patience. We need to build, I believe in the same way, we need to build a loyalty muscle. So that when it's tested in our marriage, in our workplace, in our friendships, in our relationship with God, that, our, 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 that muscle is strong and fit, and it can endure difficult circumstances, right? So unity is critical because it makes you feel as if you can conquer the world. Anyone has ever experienced that? Unity in a team, like even if you've just been in a sports team. I mean, you feel you can conquer the world, anything is possible. But let's add division in the mix. And it's chaos, right? It's destructive. It's horrible. Actually, nobody wants to be around whatever you're doing. You just want to run away. I believe it's the glue that keeps a team together. Unity is the glue that keeps a team together. But it does not happen automatically. It's a decision that we need to make regardless of how we feel. And the beauty of unity is that it's found not in similarity, but in diversity. And I'll explain that now. Because the, where, where God says, I can really bless this now, is when he knows that people have chosen unity above their own personal preferences. They have laid down their own visions, their own ideas, and God says, now. Now I can bless it. This is why the power of, of unity, the true power and blessing of unity, is not found in similarity. Because if we all like the color blue, and we all cheer for the lions like Rion, I mean, how difficult is it now to be united? <laughs> 
it's when we all cheer for a different team and there's different opinions and it's things that we really feel strong about that we differ about. But we say, I'm willing to lay this out aside for a greater purpose, a greater cause, something more important. This is when God says, I can bless that because I see your heart. I see that you're willing to sacrifice your own heart's desires and your own ideas. You know, it's like a big orchestra with many different instruments. But then they play one piece of music in the same key. That's the important thing. In the same key. You know, if the worship team this morning played their songs in different keys, every musician played in a different key, you know what that would have sounded like? You don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. But there's, there's beauty in different instruments making one sound because they all, are all tuned and they are all in the same key. And they all come in at the right moment. For those of you who have ever studied music or played an instrument, it's one of the most amazing gifts God has given us. And there's something that music teaches us about unity. Because the bass guitar is really very different to the piano. It's, very, it's like two instruments. I don't know many bass guitarists who can also play the piano and vice versa. You get people like that. But it's two different, it's two different instruments. But when they come together, something really beautiful is born. And, and the, the blessing is, or the special part of unity is, we really don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to agree on everything to have unity. Let it sink in. We don't all have to believe the exact same thing. When it, there's certain things, yes, we need to align. There's certain important things. But we don't have to agree on everything to have unity. We can have spiritual unity despite differences in opinions or personalities. You know, I see this with my son. He's now 12. I see this as he, as he gets older. And, you know, him and his daddy are now becoming this, you know, this team. He loves his mommy, I really believe he does, but he really loves his daddy because he's got a lot of his blood running through his veins. Now, Vian and Andre, they, they watch video clips and they laugh about things that I really don't, I'm not interested in. Or they talk about things, they laugh about jokes that I'm like, you know, I, 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 bet, I, have, I, I have a lot to do, so I can't really, I shoot, I shoot pause and laugh with them. But it takes a lot of effort from my side. Okay, for them, it just, it's so natural for them to laugh about the same things, to like the same video clips, and to just do life together, you know, as if every day is a party. <laughs> that is natural connection, natural unity, a natural, a natural chemistry between people. It's awesome, you know. It's awesome for me to see it. You will find people like that. To, to unite with certain people might be, you know, like breathing for some of you. And then to unite with other people might take a bit of effort. But it doesn't mean that it's not possible. You know, in, in our family, you know, I'm the only lady in a, in a small family of two men. But those two men, you know, they are... They're intense, and they, they, they live their life to the full. So I've just realized that men and women are different 
anybody ever. <laughs> you know, so we have, we, have dif- we have women who are different to other women. Now we have male and female. Now you have old and young. Now you have different cultures. Somehow we need to find unity, people. And as a church and as Christians, we even need to be more intentional to fight for that. And if it's an effort, so be it. But there's a blessing waiting on the other side. There's a blessing. We cannot only have unity with people that it's, where, where, where things are easy. We, we all like the same things and it's so easy. We need to sometimes work with people and unite. Family now, Andre, Vian and I, the fact that they are men and they are dif- very different to me, it does not affect our unity. And I've seen that, you know, over and over we unite around the same values, the truth in the Word of God. There's certain things that are core values, and there we unite. I don't have to like everything that they like, but there's certain things that we unite around, and that's non-negotiable, and that knits us together like nothing else. So unity is possible no matter where you find yourself. So I want to give you three practical ways to move towards loyalty. This is not only in the church. It can be in your workplace. It can be in a, in a, in a team. This is, if, if you need to start from scratch, right? I'm now not talking about this 80% unity and you need to move to 100. This is you start from scratch. Find common ground. Find common ground. Focus on things that you agree on not on things you disagree with. For example, you don't agree on vaccines. Okay? Avoid the topic, but you both love Labradors. Let's talk about Labradors. <laughs> Find common ground, people. The enemy is going to forever want you to focus on your differences and your disagreements. And it's going to forever make you feel as if your opinion is super important and everybody must believe what you believe. You need to pick your battles, right? There are certain things in life that's more important than other things. And find, com- find common ground, even just with a work colleague. If you have nothing to talk about, find something. I'm sure that person loves Labradors like you do. <laughs> you know, find something. It's the start. It's, it's Unity 101, Find common ground. Okay? You can do this. Have discussions with a goal of understanding, not agreement. So go into a discussion. If you do disagree on something, go into that discussion not with a goal of eventually agreeing. Go in with a goal of understanding the other person's heart and opinion. And respect that. Give that person grace to differ from you. Unless that person does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but even then we can still come in with respect, right? Because ultimately, if we win the person's heart, there's a chance that that person can ultimately believe what we believe, if it's an important matter. But if we come in with arguing and fighting, and I'm right, and you are wrong, and I disrespect you, and we are divided, and it's horrible, you're not winning the person's heart. So ultimately, unity, it doesn't mean that we agree on everything. It's a, it's a process of moving towards a bigger goal, right? 
Then number three, choose to put aside differences in opinion for the sake of a greater and a more important purpose. I've touched on that now. You know, loving our neighbor as ourselves, it's more important than your opinion. To love somebody, to love a friend, to love somebody in your workplace, to love your spouse, to love your child, it's more important than your opinion. And you can unite regardless of different opinions. You can choose to lay aside your opinion for a greater purpose, the kingdom of God, the gospel. You know, the, the, the ultimate joy of seeing how somebody comes to salvation and turns to the God that we serve, you know, then sometimes there's a price to pay. We need to let go of arguing and let go of our own opinion for the sake of winning somebody's heart. You know, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, Acts 2 verse 1, they were all with one accord in one place. I want you to think about this scripture. We all focus a lot on the coming of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is amazing. But God said to them, go and wait. Go and wait. And why, why is this in this scripture? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Did God perhaps wait for them to be of one accord in one place? Were they maybe fighting? For those of you watching the Chosen series, uh, to see Matthew as a tax collector coming into the, as part of the disciples, you know, the tax collectors were hated despised and now you know I, I just think how long did it take for the disciples to truly be united how long did it take maybe it it took them all three years that they walked with jesus plus all these days they waited in jerusalem until that day when they were with one accord in one place and god said that's the moment this is the moment my now now my spirit can be poured out. I don't know. Maybe God doesn't see it like I see it. Or maybe that wasn't the way he worked. But for me, it's very significant. They were all with one accord in one place. And I don't think it was coincidence. And if something like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came when people were of one accord in one place, imagine. Imagine what God can do in our midst if we are of one accord of one heart and one mind, if we're willing to lay aside our differences in opinions, if we are willing to actively fight the spirit of division and fight for unity in our midst. I mean, God can do anything because God's blessing, we don't have, I mean, there's no limits. It's not as if God's blessing fits into a box. God says, I will command my blessing life forevermore. This is his commitment to us. So God wants to do the impossible and the extraordinary in our midst. He really wants to. But the choice is ours, church. The choice is in each one of our hearts, whether we are willing to work our loyalty muscle, whether we are willing to fight for unity in the midst of a world that is super divided and super offense prone. And it feels as if we're just like this little boat in the ocean, you know, being tossed around because of offense and division. And I feel it's time that we unite. It's time that we say, that's it. We've had enough 
of division. We've had enough of offense. We've had enough of misunderstandings. Let's actively, actively and intentionally fight for our unity. Because this is where God can command the blessing. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.